Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey, girl. Uh, this week I've got Nancy Lynch. Nancy's uh, a dear, dear friend of mine that I get to see not as frequently as I wish I could see, but uh, she and I and Destiny Miller have kind of a set date uh, all the time that we go to, there it is. We go to a place called, well, I don't know if I want to let the secret out, but we go to a place called Bullpen Pizza. Uh, If you've never been to Bullpen Pizza, it's not too far from Dulles High School. It's in Fort Bend, uh, where we all used to teach together. And we're all now about to be uh, away from that district. They're lost, not ours. Um, But the uh, bullpen pizza has probably, it's a strong opinion, but it is the truth. The best chicken wings in the entire city of Houston, greater Houston suburbs. Try to find a better chicken wing. I mean, I don't, this isn't an ad. But if you've never been to Bullpen Pizza and you live in the Houston area, go now. And especially if you're not a vegetarian, if you eat chicken, uh, get some chicken wings. Get uh, Preferably, uh, the uh, Destiny and, and Nancy prefer the lemon pepper. Uh, I love the lemon pepper. I think they're delicious. As I sit here and record this right now, it's Saturday night. I just recorded uh, an hour and a half with Destiny, her goodbye to the classroom, which will come out in a couple weeks. Um and we went to bullpen pizza and, uh, and I was kind of, I mentioned how great the lemon pepper wings were. I don't remember if it was on the record or not, but, uh, <clears throat> they're very good. Enough about that. Nancy left education. She was at Marshall high school, kicking ass, uh, taking names as they used to say in the nineties in the WWF. Uh, but, um, uh, she was there doing phenomenal work. Uh, mostly by herself. She ended up having a partner her last two years there. Uh, I think I, I could be wrong about that, but it was her last two years. I don't think three she had at Marshall. <clears throat> and um, uh, But for the most part, she did all the work by herself all the time and was a firecracker. Uh, she's amazing. She's She really is just a, a, a human being that I... Uh, admire and respect and uh, just think the world of Nancy Lynch. And so uh, she was on this week. I'm not going to lie. She's been one of those people that like, you know, that I've had in my back pocket when it comes to, Hey, if I don't have a guest, I'm going to, I just, I know I can call you and, and have you on. That wasn't the case with Nancy this time. I have people, I've had even people reach out to me to say, uh, when am I going to be on, uh, Nancy, I I've been kind of stringing this one along, uh, not out of malice. I don't mean to be malicious to Nancy, but, um, uh, it is, it has been a little fun to see her squirm when we go eat. And she talks about how I've had destiny on multiple times and I've had so-and-so on multiple times and I've had this person on and why they're not worth the price of admission. Uh, you know, looking at you, Bobby. But anyway, so uh, uh, finally <laughs> I had her on, and it's about time because it's about damn time. In a minute, uh, no, to, anyway, she's going to talk about her class intimacy acts, which is linked down here. I don't know how many people listen to my intro and just scrub along to the uh, actual interview, but if you are listening to the intro, take time to go to the classintimacyacts.com website. Um, and scroll through. She is now working with directors and students on intimacy. And she goes into the whole thing in the in the interview, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But I did learn, I did learn, and we talk about this too, that her father and then her uncle uh, were like the pioneers in what's called holy hip-hop, the preachers in disguise. Look it up. Um, I w- I know Nancy for uh, for. A while now and I've had very in-depth deep conversations with my supposed friend yet I never knew her father and then her uncle were literally pioneers in a music genre and here we are on the record for minor wisdom and that's how I learned so 
a couple of quick things and then we'll get to the interview. It is a longer interview, uh, but my rehearsals for Drowsy Chaperone are going really, really well. I'm having a hell of a good time. This is a great adult, mostly adult, 80% adult cast that I would love for everybody to come see. Not just to see me, although that is a reason that I've been told some people are coming because why not come see the lighting designer, scenic builder guy uh, act and sing and dance and a lot more singing and dancing, a lot more singing and dancing, a lot more singing and dancing that is not on repeat. I said it three times than I expected, but it's been a lot of fun. I will not remember half of my, my choreography, so just come to watch that. That should be fun. Um, uh, I wanted to, I talk about this with destiny, my microphone cord. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I talk about this with destiny about classroom numbers being low, but it's a conversation I had this past week about how, um, student numbers are low and who's to blame. We don't know, but all we got is the flow and we need to, uh, nip this in the bud. And there are some great fine arts directors and theater advocators out there that are in in administrative roles and their hands are tied in a lot of cases in that they can't really help too, too much because then the district gets their panties in a wad and uh, the board gets their panties in a wad and parents get the panties in a wad and they're just panties all over the place. It's like the 70s, like a discos party in the 70s. I don't know why I put discos, but it's a problem right now that numbers are really, really low in classes. Uh, most of it has to do with CTE, which I always thought was like trauma, head trauma, but um, it's now, I guess, CTE is also in schools, whatever. Uh, but people are pushing that career and technology and um, electronics, whatever the E stands for. I could look it up, but why? So the, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why I bring it up. It's just maybe a water cooler conversation for you and your friends. But the last thing that I want to talk about is, uh, so in 2014, I started uh, the ball rolling on what is known as the Jerry Baber Awards in Fort Bend ISD. And I did not name it. I asked Paul Schaefer to help me name it. He named it. And then I did the rest. Um, uh, I created this thing, this, this award show from the kind of from the model uh, that is in Garland with the Patty Granville Awards, uh, sort of in anger of the Tommy Tunes, sort of in anger of how at that time the Dallas Summer Musicals were going and the way they ran things and just kind of an answer to that. Not that the Babers were going to be bigger and better. It's just that we could have our own thing in Fort Bend when I was there for the 11, soon to be 12 schools. And uh, I created it. I ran it. I, that's, I mean, I was, I was it and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I would like to toot my own horn because it's something that I'm very, very proud of in creating. And over the years I had more and more help the production of the actual show. I always had help. Uh, my wife helped Megan, Megan Wallace helped, uh, destiny, uh, when she was in middle school helped. Um, I've had lots of people, help the actual show, but leading up to it and the planning and all the, all that stuff, you know, was me. And then it became me and the students. And then it became, uh, me and a committee, uh, the year before I left. And now it's, it's still a thing and I'm very proud of it. I, I, I don't have a problem with how things are going and who's running it. And I have no problems with that at all. Uh, what, what I have a problem with is that I, th- I came to the realization that very soon all the directors that were there during my time of being kind of in charge of the Babers are all about to be gone from Fort Bend. Almost all of them are uh, or will be at the end of this year. And my name is nowhere to be found on the creation of this thing. And I don't need a scholarship. I don't need to be invited to every, to every show. Uh, every year. I don't need that kind of recognition. What I would love is like maybe in the program, you know, created by or founded by uh, me. I'm, I'm not, I don't need money. I don't need a lot of recognition. What I, what I would like is the respect of that. I created this thing and I'm so still very proud of it and appreciate the teachers that are continuing the legacy of the Baber Awards 
and continuing to make it a great production and the fact that it is still an award that I think, from what I've been told, unless it's just lip service, is still held in pretty high regard, at least in the district. And kids put this stuff on their resume, that they won these things. And do do colleges know what the hell the Baber Awards are? No. But it starts a conversation. What is that? What'd you win? You won Best Actor and at the Baber? What is What are the Baber Awards, right? And that's that's how it works. That's how all of conversations work, is every conversation that is worth anything is an icebreaker. What, what is that? Tell me about that. Right. So anyway, um, I'm going to get off my soapbox. I want you guys to enjoy this beautiful conversation I have with Nancy Lynch. Uh, she's again, one of the just most genuine souls you will ever meet in your life. And I dare you, I triple dog dare you to have her come work with you and your students on any sort of intimacy training that you guys need. She's amazing. She's she's my number one, Nancy, and uh, just one of my favorite people in the whole world. Enjoy. I am an 80s baby, born in Dallas, Texas. And at about the age of four or five, I knew that I wanted to be Whitney Houston. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't view her at that age as a person, but more so a brand. And she kind of was a brand. She was a legend. And I knew that like seeing her perform that I wanted to be like that. Um, and while I don't remember everything from my childhood, my most prized memories revolve around art and performance. So my dad and my uncle were a part of a semi-famous Christian rap group. They were the, the first Christian rap group to ever exist. And they were called PID, Preachers in Disguise. <laughs> um, they were invited to appear on Arsenio Hall. Um, I, you're, you're looking at me and I, I kind of want you to come off of mute because I want to well, okay, talk fine. to you. <laughs> I, uh, but keep going because, I mean, I, I've known you for a while now and we're, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends, I would yeah. say. I'd venture to say. And this is the first time hearing of this, so that's why I'm yeah. reacting the way I'm reacting. You no, know, no, no. You know who Arsenio Hall is, though, Oh, right? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So my, my dad and my uncle, they traveled the world, and they would perform at, um, like, so many different, like, venues, mostly churches, like, big, large congregations would pay them to come in and do, you know, Christian rap because it was so innovative and new. Huh. And so a lot of times me and my siblings and of course my mom, we would go and support my dad and my uncle and we would go to these events. And my dad knew that I wanted to be a star. So one time he did ask me to get on stage and do this dance. <laughs> it's like this trending dance of the 90s and it was called the Shifu. I don't know if you've heard of that. But it was it was a really popular dance. And I was like this little petite girl. And I knew how to do this dance so perfectly. I don't know why I said like I was this little petite girl. Like I was just like this. When I say that, I mean, I was just we can edit that part out. <laughs> well, that's okay. But I'm saying me doing it is just so funny to look at. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I knew how to do that dance. But he invited me up on stage as a child and. I remember the feeling of being in front of the crowd and how much I enjoyed that, but I clammed up and I did not do the dance in front of this large congregation. Um, growing up, I was a middle child. My big sister was in theater and like most younger siblings do, I decided to follow in her footsteps and I joined theater my ninth grade year. And at that time we were living in Irving, Texas and I attended MacArthur High School. Um, my theater director there, my first semester of ninth grade, was super impressed by my performance skills, and he requested that I be moved into the theater production class for second semester so that I could participate in UIL. Um, I, I am much older now, and so I understand how it works between, you know, the dynamic of having two directors and I am going to say that the, the theater production director was different from the, the teacher who taught theater one classes at that time. And so when I did get into the theater production class, my theater teacher then was not too happy. I didn't I didn't uh, mesh well with with 
that class. Uh, it was mostly upperclassmen and seniors, whereas my theater one class was mostly freshmen. Um, and it was kind of like the people who I came in with from middle school. Um, so these are all new kids. I didn't really know them. And the theater director was not happy about me being put in the class without her permission. Um, so she gave me the role of the girl who screams. And I don't even know what show this was, but my role was like the girl who screams before the show starts because she she dies. And that was my role, which she ended up taking away and just used a sound effect. <laughs> so so anyway, I didn't know what UIL was for theater, but I was in choir. And so I was already doing UIL stuff, preparing for choir uh, contests. Um, and, and I didn't get to learn much about how UIL worked for theater then my ninth grade year, but we got a house that summer and moved to Cedar Hill. So uh, I was transferred to Cedar Hill High School where my theater director was Miss Angie Andrews. And I'm going to say this because she'll, she'll laugh at it if she gets to hear this. Um, I wasn't too happy about moving to Cedar Hill and leaving all of my friends in Irving that I had grown up with for so many years. So my mom decided that we would take a tour of Cedar Hill High School. And um, while taking this tour, we were uh, like kind of looking around at all the classes and she was talking to the principal at one point and I kind of, you know, veered off and, and went to find the theater and I found the space. This was like, I think it's important to say that this was, it had to be like a Friday after, now I, I want to say it was a Saturday. I don't know why I want to say it was a Saturday. Um, I know why I want to say, I'm saying it's a Saturday because I remember no one being at this school. And so it was such, it, it was like, it was an anomaly from, let me back up. It was so, it was so, uh, it was desolate. Like no one was right. there except the principals and maybe a couple of the counselors. I'm not sure, but for some reason the theater teacher was there. And now I know why, because, you know, after being a theater director, I found out we're always there. So, um, so Miss A happened to be there, Miss Angie Andrews, and I introduced myself to her and I say, hi, you know, I'm Nancy Lynch and I'm going to be in your theater production class. And she goes, no, you're not. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I will be because I, I'm, she asks like, what grade are you in? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going into my sophomore year. And she goes, no, you would, you would have had to audition for my theater production class. And I go, yeah, well, I'm being transferred from a theater production class at MacArthur High School. And she goes, no, you'll have to audition. And she stuck to her word because when they put me in the system, <laughs> they put me as theater two instead of theater production. Um, and I remember that because I remember that was the year of 9-11. And I happened to be in theater class uh, with a lot of kids who had no interest in theater and theater two. Um, again, something that I've learned after becoming a theater director and teacher uh, how that works. So I was in that class until the next year where I did get to audition and I was put in the theater production class. Um, and I was a part of quite a few productions. And unfortunately for Miss A, I had to split a lot of my time with dance, theater, and choir because I did I did it all. Um, and so uh, I decided after high school that I would major in theater. Um, I remember having a talk with her. She probably doesn't remember this, but it was my senior year and her telling me like, you're going to have to decide which one you want to do. Um, and so when I went off to college, I decided on theater because it was like my first love and, and I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I just wanted to learn more about it. So I followed in my sister's footsteps again, and I decided to attend, attend our um, family college, which is Southern University. And you hear about Southern University a lot because between me and Destiny, uh, she went to my rival school. Yeah. Which <laughs> don't even which is don't Grambling. even don't. Oh, I was gonna say don't even talk, don't even say the word. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so that's my girl though. That's yeah. my girl. But I did attend Southern University where I um, received my BFA in performance. Um, I had a phenomenal theater teacher and director there, Dr. Eileen Hendricks. Um, and I also had a really great mentor, Ms. Renee Chatelaine, who is the CEO of the Baton Rouge Arts Council. And, excuse me, 
they both really pushed me to continue pursuing the arts um, after graduating. And so the summer after graduating, I was invited to New York with Dr. Hendricks to attend um, the ATHA and, and Women in Theater conferences. Um, and I attended so many great workshops and um, I was also selected to be the grad school coordinator for the National Jane Chambers uh, playwriting contest. But anyway, I'd already applied and had gotten accepted into Texas State University for um, a master's in theater history criticism and dramaturgy. And um, yeah, and so, so I went into that school and I was really excited. I got to meet a lot of really cool people, some of which you've already interviewed. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeffrey Douglas and Laura Garza, they were both in my cohort. So we're all pretty close. I actually just saw Jeff on Friday. Uh, he's directing a show at HCC. And I just saw Laura a few weeks ago when I went to go do some intimacy coordination for her production that's up right now, Midsummer. Um, and so I, we all stay in touch and, and they're all such great people. Um, so anyway, once I graduated from Texas State, I moved back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I began teaching theater in middle school, uh, middle schools, and eventually went up to high schools. And I also built three performing arts programs that still exist today, and I'm really proud of that. Um, and I stayed in Louisiana for about five years before moving to Houston. Um, I interviewed with Philip Taylor, who hired me to work in Fort Bend ISD. Um, so I had the great pleasure of teaching theater in Fort Bend for six years. And in my last two years of teaching, I started a business called Class Intimacy Acts. Um, it, was, it was conceptualized September of 2019. I had this grand idea to begin using all of these amazing um, skills that I learned from, from you know, skills and, and practices and theories that I learned from theater and dance and music. Uh, to help couples identify what they would need in order to feel safe enough to create the world that they wanted to experience within their relationship um, and learn like how to improve communication skills and closeness through art. It was kind of like putting the pill in the cheese uh, in a sense. And um, yeah, soon after I had a meeting with Danielle and Melanie of Fine Arts Forward uh, and Melanie thought it was such a great idea. She was like, have you met Adam Noble? And I was like, no, I don't I don't think I have. And, you know, what's crazy is that Adam had done some PDs for us at, in Fort Bend, um, but I didn't remember meeting him personally. So she said, hey, let me connect y'all on Facebook. And I said, OK, you know, she connected us and he told me about IDC and TIE, which are intimacy coordination for film stage and education. Um, and it tied into the work that I was doing with couples already. And so that's how I began, you know, working in schools and doing professional development, teaching intimacy coordination um, after taking so many courses and classes of intimacy coordination with these two companies and organizations. That's me. That's you. <laughs> and where are the best wings in the city of Houston? Um. Oh my gosh, open, I just went blank. Open. You got to ask one more time. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. What? I'm going blank because I'm so nervous. Stop it. I'm like. I, I said, where are, the, where are the best wings in the city of Houston? Bullpen. Thank you. Okay, yeah. ask one more time. And I got it. <laughs> I'm leaving all this in. Where are the, where are the, be where are the best wings in the city of Houston? That would be bullpen. That's bullpen, good. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. That's comedy gold. Uh, how did so? Y your website wasn't even taken, huh? Or did you have to like? Because uh, your website is is what the company is called. Um, yes. Which is pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna put that in the in the description of the of the podcast so that people you know it's there. But yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so I have a couple questions. I got to go back to to a question, well, not a question, a statement about, it's a great way that you described Whitney Houston, um, how you looked at her as a brand. Um, I really like that. I've never heard that before, but that's probably very true for quite a few of our, like when you're growing up and you idolize Michael Jackson, it's, you're more idolizing 
what you're told is Michael Jackson. Right. 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 Um, but anyway, I, I really enjoyed that, how you said that. That was a good way of putting it. Uh, and then I got to ask about your dad. It looks like he's still active as a preacher in disguise. Are you? Did you Google? No, I have a research team that's always <laughs> listening. Uh, but there was like a. So you're probably actually looking at my uncle. So my dad is Kevin Lynch and my uncle is Freddie Lynch. Um, you probably see that my uncle Freddie okay. still does preachers in, in disguise. Okay. Um, interesting story and i won't go into too much of it because this is not his interview it's mine right. no i know but, but i'm but gonna say <laughs> i'm gonna get him on the phone <laughs> get your uncle on yeah anyway the interesting thing about it is that um my dad actually decided to convert to the nation of islam oh. and so that is why preachers in disguise uh, as a group um didn't continue so so my uncle Fred is still doing it, you know, okay. still doing it in a space of of what it was founded, yeah, you know, off of. But my dad is not a part of it All anymore. Right. It says it says that they're the like the founding fathers of holy hip hop. They are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough of that. They are. Yeah, they, they are. <laughs> um, they had a reunion a couple years ago. Uh, sometime after the pandemic, uh, they had a, a reunion, and my dad did perform. Um, it, they are pretty, they're hot stuff. People yeah. know them. I mean, it's a, they look like a big deal. But anyway, <laughs> all right, enough about them. Uh, <laughs> I'll get them on the next episode. But yeah, uh, yeah. So, Angie, Andrew, so you weren't in Fort Bend yet when Angie was at Ridgepoint? I'd already graduated, I was already in college. Um, but I mean, you, you weren't teach. you hadn't been hired at Marshall yet. No, okay, no. Okay, okay, okay. She came, uh, she had already. Um, she'd already retired right, okay. by the time that I graduated from grad school. Um, so when I came into Fort Bend, she reached out to me right. and said, Hey, you know, I used to teach in Fort Bend. So that's when I learned that she had taught at Hightower first and then over at Ridgepoint when it became the new school in Fort Bend ISD. Right. And she offered to help in any way. And, and I really appreciated that, that she mm -hmm. extended herself in all those years of, of theater to me and it really helped me set a strong foundation for what I was doing in the district. It's funny cause the way, like my memory, uh, and, and once you said it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. For some reason, my memory does not, uh, does not have Marshall existing in my time at Fort Bend without you. So, mm -hmm. uh, I remember who's the, who was there prior to you now, but <laughs> it kind of. I hope they don't me. listen to this. <laughs> well, that's no big deal. Anyway, we'll throw out some Raza boxes, um, but uh, but yeah, for some reason, my, like if you had asked me if you had been in, at Marshall the entire time I was at Dallas, then I would have been like, oh yeah, because I for some reason I just didn't remember that you weren't there, that you were hired by Philip. Yeah. So, all right, well, good. Um, so, all right, so the. Uh, the question, and I kind of sent you a couple of questions prior to this, whether you thought about them or not, I don't know, but uh, I'm not in your head, but this is your interview. Um, <laughs> why? What was difficult about taking the leap, jumping out of the classroom and uh, pretty much owning your own business and trusting in yourself, betting on yourself? Right. So it was not a hard decision because I'd already made up my mind in 2019 um, in 2019, when, when the idea came to me to do class intimacy acts, I kind of knew then because it was such a great idea that it would do well if I really put a lot of time into it. And this is going to go, you know, also for your, for your follow-up question about, um, I'm sorry, I'm not looking at your questions the, right now. The kind of, what was the leap? Or the challenge? No, it's, oh. it's after this question. Oh. But anyway, I don't even um, remember. What it question. wasn't hard because I prepared <laughs> and I planned for it. So I'd already let all of the admin team know. I let all of my students in the program know. Um, I'd been there long enough to graduate a couple of classes, like from freshman to, to senior year. And so they all knew me. And we we'd already set all the groundwork and foundation for how the program could still succeed without me being there. And um. I was confident in, in, in what I was starting. 
And it also helped that all of the students and the admin were so supportive. And they're like, you can always come back. <laughs> like, you can always yeah. come back and do this. But, you know, what you want to do is so important. And we want to support that. We want to see you succeed in that. And so it wasn't hard to take the leap. Um, the only part of it that that took some time was just creating the structure so that I could leave confidently. Right. Um, and that was it. So then what is the, I guess, because I'm looking at your your website's really, really good. Thank um, you. It's got like moving pictures and stuff. It it's all kinds of, it anyway. But uh, <laughs> what is the biggest like part of your business now? Is it is it the the sort of more personal intimacy stuff or is it the art stuff or the kind of 50-50? What is the... Right. Now, that's a great question because I'm actually, as of uh, February, I'm rebranding right now because after working with Laura at um, in San Antonio and her students doing theater uh, intimacy education, she got me in touch with someone who is at the... I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. She got me in touch with the executive director of the San Antonio Public Theater, and she reached out to me. Um, the executive director reached out to me wanting to to also have me come in and work with them for their next season. You talking about? However, Cla- are you talking about Claudia? Yes. Okay, Claudia and I yes. went to high school together. Anyway. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. she told me she was from Houston. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> enough You're about. Like, me. I know everybody. This is your interview. It's enough about me. But, anyway. But yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Let me name drop real quick. Claudia, do you mean? Yeah, Claudia. Beyonce, yeah. I also went to high school with her. <laughs> uh, yeah, same. Claudia is a bigger deal. But anyway, continue. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I did I did speak with Claudia. And um, she goes, you know, before we talked, I, I wanted to look on your website and see, you know, what you offer. But my website is for Class Intimacy X. It's geared more towards um the work that I do for couples and eventually it will spiral into me doing work in the community with families and, you know, doing this work. And and she goes, you know, I don't, I don't see where you are working on theater education with this. And I go, yeah, you know, it's, I do it through contract work and also word of mouth and people hire me that way. But a funny story is that when I applied for my uh, business insurance, um, you're gonna have to get rid of all these pauses. I'm sorry. So when I applied for my business insurance, they um, were the, the the agent kept asking. She's like, "Class Intimacy Acts." I'm like, "Yeah, it's like Shalaskis. It's like a really weird name, so you don't yeah. forget it." And when she did all the paperwork, she submitted it, and I got all of my insurance stuff back. And it goes, it says, "Class Intimacy Acts doing business is Class Intimacy Arts." And I go, okay, okay, you know, and I kept saying, I need to call them and change that. But as of February, I decided, you know, what I'll do is I'll just rebrand and I will create Class Intimacy Arts and Class Intimacy Acts. So Class Intimacy Acts is still family and and couple based. And then Class Intimacy Arts is what I do in education. Right. Yeah, that's good. So it's kind of a happy accident. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then you could like, I don't know. Now my brain is like, what other things could you do with the, with the A? <clears throat> but <laughs> I don't know what you'd replace the C and the R with, you know. Right. But whatever, it's fine. I'll think about it and call you. Um, well, that's fun. So, like, you know, for me as a married man and also a theater artist, uh, I, you know. W- 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 <laughs> I'm like hesitant to talk to you about the like personal stuff because one, you're my friend. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to get all mushy with you, but, uh, and two, um, you know, I guess I want to focus on the theater side, but also I do kind of want to know about the, the more like married couple, dating couple, uh, all that kind of stuff. Cause it's just interesting to me. The And I don't mean to like, sort of compare your business to this but like you remember way back in the day i think it was like hbo or whatever they had like sex shows or whatever talk uh, sex with sue yeah 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 yes <laughs> so and like that was so awkward to um watch or be a part of unless it was like 
unless it was like hot, you know what I mean? But, uh, that was kind of cool. But, but anyway, I digress the, so is it, is it anything like that? I know they're not having, they're not, that's not what they're doing, but I mean, right. as far so as it's, it's not at all like that. Um, but it's passion. There's a little bit of passion, right? I mean, like, or am I wrong about that? You, you say speak, that one more time. I said, there's a little bit of like passion element to it. Right. Or am I making that up? You're, you're not making that up. I want to go into detail yeah. about what I do with Class Intimacy Acts, but I do want to talk about Class Intimacy Arts first. Okay, and then at it. the end, we can like tap into like, what do I do with couples? Because I know that a lot of your listeners are, um, you know, theater educators, but but mostly they're all adults. I believe yeah. that they are most yeah. for the most part. Yeah. So if, if some of them are interested, they can listen into the end and then I will tell you what I do with couples um, okay. with Class Intimacy Acts. That's fine. Yes. So, so the art side then, what is it? I mean, like I've seen that you go into, well, you just talked about going to, to San Antonio college and, uh, you know, you go work with students. How, how does your mind, it's two different worlds. I mean, one is yeah. figuring out how to falsely become intimate with somebody that you're going to walk away from and you might actually have a boyfriend or girlfriend yeah. in the, in it's the like, audience. How do I, how do I create the, the, honesty within intimacy on stage, but also how do I, as a person, as a human being, take care of my acting body? So that is what we do. So so intimacy coordinators offer safety practices for performers and directors um, during the production process. Uh, we, We understand that performers are putting their physical and mental and emotional realities on hold during the during the performance performance process, excuse me, um, and that that can take a toll on them mentally. Um, and and while the purpose of like hopefully like creating these worlds on stage to to show the intricacies and the ease and the complications of creating connection, like you are inevitably and like permissively allowing your body to go through um, these things. And hopefully you're using consensual practices. So that's the point of what we do. We teach consensual practices and boundaries. We just step in and offer support to define like, what is a boundary? How can you and your cast and crew use boundaries so that you can present your best self throughout this entire process? What are, what is consent? What are levels of consent? You know, how do you tap into that? How do you sustain the healthiest version of yourself throughout this entire process um, so that once you leave here, leave the space, you're not depleted of yourself and you're having to put everything back together again. And the way that I look at it is like, I I call it the, the, the broken tooth theory. <laughs> I knew this guy in middle school and my, my family's house was like the... And actually, we lived in an apartment at the time, and it was like the neighborhood apartment. Like everybody would come over. We had like the cool family or whatever. And um, there was this this kid who would come over. His name was Josh. I wonder if I should be using fake names. It I don't think matter. I don't think Josh is listening, but <laughs> he's yeah. not. Yeah, he's, he yeah. should. What's his What's his social security number? Do you have right? that? Six one two. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Josh would come over all the time and everyone would just kind of like run in and out of my mom's house, like grab snacks and, and hang out and whatever. And one time Josh was coming in the house and I was closing the door. And as I'm closing the door, I don't know if you've seen, or you, you have everyone who's ever been to a hotel has seen like the little knob thing that hangs out at the top of the door when you're closing it, right? Like for extra safety or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, we had one of those at the top of the door. Not that we didn't live in a safe neighborhood because we did, we did. <laughs> but, but I'm closing it and, and Josh is behind me and he's tall enough that, uh, he, you know, he, his face bumps into this knob thing that's hanging out and it, his tooth breaks and I am so like, I couldn't believe that I heard him that I, you know, I ran over into like the bathroom and closed the door. And I was like, so scared. I was so sad. You know, he's just like, ow, like, you know, I just heard this really loud, audible ow. And I, I just knew it. I'd heard him. And um, I was so sad that I ran into the bathroom. These are really bad skills that I, <laughs> it was not okay that I ran away, but I was, I was terrified that I'd heard him. 
And when I came out, um, you know, my sister and, and our other neighbors, everyone was over and they were like, you know, he's okay. And, and he goes, it's okay. You know, that my tooth was already broken. You know, it just, I guess that they had fixed it and, you know, it came out again. And whenever I think of this intimacy work, I think of that because, uh, you know, of course he had to go back to the dentist and get it fixed again, but he also had to go to school, I think for the next week with, with the tooth missing, um, which might, must not have felt great because he had gotten it fixed, of course, to hide it, I guess. Um, so anyway, I think of intimacy work as that, like you're, you're dealing with this, this really deep sometimes content, especially in UIL season. Like everyone wants this really great, like tough work in UIL that's dealing with these things like death or drugs or race, religion, you know, nudity, sexuality, culture, fighting, all of these things that we as intimacy coordinators come in to work on. But you're, you picked out this amazing piece and you don't know if the tooth is already broken. Like you don't know if something has happened in, in the student or this performer's life that they're going to have to go back and get fixed again. So we come, that's actually a really good analogy, by the way. That's very, um, that's very good. <laughs> yeah, was good. Damn it, yeah. Josh. Yeah. Did some good Josh. around here, Josh. <laughs> thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Josh. So, <laughs> so, so that's how I think of intimacy work is that you don't know what is going to have to be fixed again. Um, after doing this production. So it's really important that you have someone step in who can help navigate these very sensitive subjects. Um, or even the fact that we, we come in and we help directors understand and navigate power dynamics, um, which of course like helps out the entire health of your program. Um, but yeah, so, so we're not, not to be confused with therapists or, or doing work as therapists but we do offer trauma-informed skills that help everyone respect the intimacy contracts that we put in place. And it holds everyone accountable um, as you all create this beautiful work. So has that, but you mentioned the therapist part, has any of your work, and again, you don't, you don't need to drop examples. We'll just call everybody Josh. Josh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but have you kind of, accidentally been mistaken for a therapist because it's real easy to probably think of you as one once you're kind of in it. Right. Or am I just again, yeah. making that up? I, I, feel, um, I feel like I, if you were there, what I will say is I haven't been mistaken as a therapist, but I have, I have had directors or even sometimes actors reach back or, or, yeah. or you know, reach out to ask questions that, they should ask the therapist. And what we learn to do is to direct them to those resources that they would need Got it. Um, to protect them while they're still doing the work. Do you think you'd be successful if you had not had multiple or, you know, over a decade of time in the classroom? Ooh. Uh, no, I'm, I'm able to pull from so many personal experiences as yeah. I do this work. Um, that it helps me shape what I do, like specifically how my how my work as an intimacy coordinator differs from that of you know an Adam Noble or a Chelsea Pace or someone else doing the work. I'm able to pull from my experiences and my identity to to help better you know secure a space when it comes to certain things that other intimacy coordinators might not be able to tap into. Are you trying to say what, what I think you're trying to say, or are we going to stay away from that? Uh, say it, and then I'll say if I'm staying away from it. You're a black woman? Oh, they may not know that I'm black. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm assuming you're customers. Like, I will always say it very proudly. Okay. Uh, I am a black woman. Well, I think but that's got to give you a different... There's there's a yes, different yes, yes. A, a different trust from a from from people that are going to see you as a black woman that are like, okay, she either does or does not in some cases relate with. Yeah, X, no, y, I think it's super important for, for your audience to know that I'm a black woman because in the space of theater itself, it is, you know, mostly male slash white dominated. Right. It, it just is, you know? Um, and then when we, you know, people of color come into the space, we are 
we find ourselves in this art and and a lot of times I've even had directors reach out to me who are not directors of color, who have students of color reach out specifically because I am a black woman um, and they want to do work that centers their students of color mm -hmm. and they want to know how to connect with their students and they want to be very careful with the content that they're presenting and they want to be careful with how they are presenting it. Um, and so I am able to offer a unique perspective as a woman of color, but also as a woman of color who's worked with students of color and been in spaces of whiteness um, and, and and navigated those spaces well, I believe. Um, so, so yes, that is, okay, that is so, important to know. So then I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit right now. <sighs> so that, well, no, this is the whole point of the podcast. Yeah. This is why I have... <laughs> Is this why? This is why I have tens, tens of listeners. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then so then define intimacy then, because like, you know, when you think about intimacy, you think uh, uh, two actors, you know, you think of Romeo and Juliet needing to be close, right? Uh, or, or having intimate moments where they have to, it's kind of uncomfortable because yes, if it is a high school, they're uh, uh, unwilling to budge boyfriends or girlfriends are sitting in the audience and they're like, why are you getting intimate with another person? Or, uh, but then you just mentioned about the, you know, the person of color element, which is a lifestyle type thing. Like mm -hmm. you, you're mm -hmm. trying to help a director understand how to direct a lifestyle, not direct somebody who's trying to kiss somebody. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Uh, so then is so that. So I define intimacy and I do this for um, not just for when I do intimacy education for theater, but also with my couples. Um, I define intimacy as safety and closeness. How, like, what are the things that we can do that help you express your safety and closeness? Um, yeah. and we, we go from there. And so a lot of times what I love about directors who do reach out and say, you know, I don't understand this experience is that they are acknowledging that while I want to create this world, I want it to be honest, but I also want my students who are performing it to be comfortable. And I want them to have that safety, that sense of safety so that they can create these full characters and, and, and be, and feel healthy after creating these characters and making these choices. So I just define it as safety and closeness. Like I feel safe enough to be close with you. I feel safe enough to create this world. Um, and that's what I define intimacy as. That's good. That's why I asked you. See, it wasn't that hard. It um, wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, you know, as far as uh, what you've done thus far uh, outside of the classroom, is there is there something that you've learned now as, an, you know, you're still in, that's the thing is like this new job that I'm taking on. People are like, oh, you're leaving education. It's like, no, I'm leaving the classroom. I'm not leaving education because yeah. I'm still going to be educating people. So I wouldn't say that you have left education. You've left the classroom. But um, is there something that you've kind of learned thus far that, you, if you 10 years from now decide, you know what, I'm going to go back and dive back into the classroom, that would potentially be like a tool that you could use uh, back in the classroom that would make things a little easier? Yes. Um, there is a, <clears throat> a physics equation, and you're probably going to think of it before I can blurt it out. I will, I'm not that person. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you could try, but... <laughs> E equals MC squared. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what it is, but it's it's about surface area. But anyway, I'll check um, that one out. Let me get my research team on that one too. All right, go ahead, talk. I'll, I'll be researching. So, so I would have used these practices that I know now um, sooner by gathering about ten of my, you know, most committed and dedicated students. Um, and teaching them this work, uh, this framework on working on uh, boundaries, consent work, power dynamics, and all of that, and really allowing them to learn all of these things, um, and teaching it to those 10, and allowing them to teach it to everyone else. I think that the, the growth of the program would be, one, a lot healthier, 
and and two, um, we would have a stronger program quicker um, by letting the the students who believe in the <clears throat> excuse me who believe in the work um, really. Allowing those who really believe in the work to 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 push it to the mass, mm-hmm. um, and I think that especially in education in a school setting, when you have you know a group, it it would just you know the the concentric circle, I believe that's what it's called. It, it would just expand out to the student body, um, and everyone would then know these practices from from intimacy work. Am I getting off topic of no, what you asked? That's me? exactly okay. This okay, one, because right. ideally. I- I'm trying to figure out these equations. Continue. Okay, awesome. So ideally, <laughs> the idea, in my opinion, as an intimacy coordinator, the idea is that we'll get to a space where none of this work is needed and it's all phased out because everyone knows it. Everyone knows how to apply it and, and it could be applicable in all spaces, right? Um, but like in this system where we have students experiencing teachers abusing their authority, especially yeah. in performance spaces where we're asking students to be their most vulnerable selves um, and, and to create art that evokes feelings, whether that's in music or theater or dance or art or whatever. It's so important that we have this work of, of intimacy coordination because it helps us prevent things like grooming tactics and support students learning <clears throat> important skills like creating boundaries and understanding consent, which can save them in their entire life, uh, you know, and it, it can carry, it can stay with them throughout, um, you know, creating artists and in their yeah. artistic careers, but also throughout their lives. So the idea is for, is it ideally if I were to go back in 10 years, which we'll see, I don't know. Ideally, I would start with 10 students and allow them to believe in this framework if they want to, and then allow them to ripple this information out in that everyone knows this. And, yeah. and I believe it would be a stronger program, a stronger culture in the on the campus, and also just, you know, st- we had stronger students. So, okay. I mean, that I'm not going to unpack everything I have to say to that, but... Um, <laughs> But what I am going to say is, and this is a callback from a few minutes ago, but the, I went to, you know, I went to a, a performing arts school and, uh, Beyonce went there, uh, but, and so did, so did, so did, so did Claudia, but anyway, um, so, <laughs> but one of the things that we didn't know that we didn't know at the time is we did these things called hot seats and, um, and these hot seats were where we would sit in a chair, in a seat, and we we had to think of a character. It wasn't improvised necessarily. We had, you know, spent a couple weeks thinking of these characters, and they were they involved physicalities, which I don't think is a thing really anymore. And these physicalities, along with these hot seats, drew out a lot of emotion and literal literal physical struggle because some of the characters would be like, I need somebody to hold me down or hold me back or keep me from walking forward or whatever it is you got to decide. And in, in like retrospect, looking back on this, we, you know, I have many conversations with former, uh, with, with friends of mine that graduated from there about how like dangerous, (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) how -hmm. how this, this wasn't like, right. (laughs) And, you know, I don't think our director at the time. This was not Bob Singleton, but I'm not going to say her name. Uh, I don't think it our director. It was Josh. Yeah, Josh was <laughs> that Josh dude. He and what what I remember about Josh is he had this weird tooth. Uh, but anyway, um, but but uh, uh, at the time we didn't know that it was like dangerous to us, um, both mentally and physically, and. That's one of those things that now I look at what you do and like even like uh, to an extent a Sammy McManus um, and and Adam Noble and, and people like that that go in and try to do these intimacy things. Well, you're not trying and Adam's not trying. Sammy maybe a little bit. Love you, Sammy. Anyway, um, but you guys do these intimacy things and I'm like, man, where was that when when I was in high school and why wasn't that a thing yet? So right. I guess my, my question is, um, 
very simply, two words. Why now? Mm, I want to answer one more thing before I go into the okay, why now. Okay, that's fine. Um, and that's, this is for those teachers who are still doing what you just mentioned because they think it's creative and it's going to it's gonna pull out the best in their performers. And, and a lot of times they don't know how dangerous that is. So I'm happy we're talking about this. Um, something that I want you, if you're listening, to start doing is creating baseline boundaries. And this might have been this a better answer for the, que- the previous question. But start creating baseline boundaries. And baseline boundaries just help us determine non-choreographed ways that we can interact during scenes or rehearsals or whatever. And this is something that you sit with, <clears throat> you sit with your group, whether it's class by class basis or, you know, production based rehearsals. And you sit with them and you create these baseline boundaries. Like we're all agreeing that this will not be okay. I will not. And when I say create a boundary, I'm always like, you know, you want, might want to frame it for them so that they understand how to do that is, you know, I need this in order to blank, you know, so you mentioning the physicality and things like that, and that being unsafe, you know, uh, something as simple as uh, a baseline boundary for everyone in the space being, you know, us identifying, you know, if there's a, a, a kiss, that there's no tongue, or if there's, you know, no one will have nudity in this room. Um, I know that that's not a high school thing, but I mean, it could be, I don't know, for, you know. It is we'll a high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Um, we won't talk about certain things like cancer or assault because these things hurt people. Uh, you know, we won't talk about it outside of research-based things. And these are just baseline boundaries. You know, we won't, I, there are some people in that room who don't want to hug. They don't want to hold your hand. They don't want to high five you. And so you're creating, you're allowing this, this baseline boundary to exist or these baseline boundaries to exist so that we don't have to revisit it. And and I'm going to say this is kind of, I'm going to get to your second part of why now, but I, I know that a lot of directors who understand that intimacy coordination is so new and they're like, you know, we don't have to check in for every little thing. Like, you know, that's a concern for a lot of directors, right? So baseline boundaries, I say always, like that's step one. Step one is you don't have to always check in about every single little thing. If you have these boundaries already in place, we have this gate set up where we know we don't cross this. Um, And so when it's time for us to create these, you know, 40 looks for UIL, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not having to revisit every three scenes unless an actor says that they want to pivot from consent for something. I'm not having to go over, you know, where, you know, where do you agree to be touched? And, you know, are you confident, comfortable with these words that you're having to say and blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to say that because I I think that there are still some directors out there who are still like just having fun, right? Who are just like, we're not taking this serious because this is just the fun class. And I think that some admin, I, I don't want to get too much into this, but I also think that it's some admin mistaken, you know, theater for, you know, that that kid is just, we can't reach that kid, but they're really good in theater. But then also you're throwing kids who don't want to be in this space and we're just going to have enough fun so that I don't stress myself out. So right. yeah, let's play that game. Do whatever you want, you know, and it's dangerous. You know, kids remember and it's dangerous. Okay, so why now? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was good, though. <laughs> okay. Um, so so because I came into this space, again, thank you, Adam Noble. I sent him an Amazon gift card. If you haven't had him on yet, I just want to make sure that he says that whenever he does come on, that, you know, all, he, he, he connected me to, to IDC and TIE, and I was like, thank you. Here's an Amazon gift card because I had never met him. It was during the pandemic. So boom. Anyway, um, I wasn't a part of, 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 you know, when it started, you know, intimacy coordination for stage and in film. Um, but it became really popular after the pandemic because a lot of what they were teaching went online. So I think a lot of people learned about it when we're all sitting at home, you know, building curriculums for online work, we're finding out, oh, wow, you know, 
that's how I did at least, you know, this is really neat. And this is something that is, is really important. And, um, and it came during a time of, of evolution, <laughs> like we're all evolving in the space of pain, you know, from the pandemic. And um, I think that we all kind of took a, a seat and, and realized that we have been using or some directors have used tactics that were not safe. Um, and so once we, and I'll just speak for myself, once I learned all of this content, I was like, I have to get this out. Like this has to go out to everybody. Um, because, you know, I'll say this from, from an education standpoint, you know, our, our children are so impressionable sometimes and, and this, this work protects them from, from teachers or directors who might not have the best interest um, and they go on to, to act or to become directors and they will use your same tactics. Uh, so it's important that everyone has these skills. So I think that's the urgency behind it. So class intimacy acts, uh, we have three different acts and that is act one, act two, and act three. Not that you couldn't figure that out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and in the first act, which is the prerequisite before going into the other two, um, I, I work with couples on understanding communication. And um, this is a prerequisite because before we get into the different activities and, you know, just exploring and having fun, um, it's important that you understand your partner's way of communicating and their intimacy styles um, of closeness, of course, and feeling safe and closeness. So, <clears throat> so we start with warm-ups. It's just like a theater class, which I think is so cool and fun. It's just like a theater class. We start with warm-ups um, and then we go into what the lesson is. And then um, I allow couples to uh, learn these skills. We have 10 different practices that they learn um, to better understand their partner and, and, and how they would prefer to communicate with each other verbally and non-verbally. And then um, at the end of it, they get to do a, a, a artistic skill of their choice and they get to choose between um, theater and visual art on that first act. <clears throat> and so we do things like, you know, they get to do painting and, and, and talking or they get to do an acting scene where it's just an open dialogue script and they fill things in and they uh, learn how they would prefer to communicate, how their partner would prefer communication goes and they get to express how they prefer to communicate things, ideas to their partner as well. It's super effective. Um, I'm going to say, I, I, I'm going to sound biased because it's my company, but 100% um, satisfaction rate, <laughs> and 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 I and the couples who come back, it's um, they they really put these skills uh, to work and, and or to use in their relationship. Uh, act two is them getting to do more of a specialty. So we might go into rasa, we might go into laban, we might go into these different skills, um, and they get to that have expressionism based on these skills. Uh, then they also get to, at the end, do an artistic activity, uh, which is always fun. And act three is more, uh, check out the website. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> love it. Fun. So uh, I want to get you out of here on this. And you sort of touched on this early in the conversation uh, but it's something that I ask, I've asked a few people that kind of are in the same, uh, shoes that you are in. Is this uh, my Oprah super soul Sunday question? Like the end question? I sure. I'm so nervous. Oprah okay. Super soul Sunday. Did she do, did she have shows on Sunday? I don't know. Wait. Did she? I, I know there's been, a, there've been a lot of stages of Oprah. So <laughs> like, for, like. There weren't so like Arsenio came back for a little bit. He so did. the Arsenio reference, like I get it because it's there was okay. there it's was really okay. only one stage of Arsenio. I mean yeah. one and yeah. a half ish. But Oprah had like speaking yeah. of speaking of three acts, Oprah had twenty <laughs> acts. So like anyway, like if you gave okay, me a yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Wendy Williams is a better one. She's probably only had really one 
like talk show act. Anyway, although she did faint, that was really tragic. But uh, like, I'm <laughs> I'm just saying that video. That video went viral. It was it was pretty bad. Um, uh, I just watched a TikTok that that it was Billy uh, Billy on the street, and he walked up to a guy and said, "Do you know who John Oliver is?" And the guy said, "Yeah." And the guy was gay, or is gay. I guess I shouldn't say past tense. He still is probably. Um, and he goes, "Do you uh, choose one, Billy or uh, uh, John Oliver or?" Uh, Wendy Williams, and he was like, and John Oliver standing right there. <laughs> he goes, um, sorry, John. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty funny, but it's, it's not often you hear a Wendy Williams reference on my show. But all right, so the Oprah Sunday Soul sit down sandwich uh, question of the week uh, for you is um, the people that there are a lot of people that are defecting from education, right, uh, mm-hmm. leaving the classroom and and such leaving the traditional classroom at least uh and some of them are not doing it because they're scared to do it they're nervous they're nervous about what's on the other side right the 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 whole grass is greener on the other side sort of uh mantra uh why should somebody just do it take that leap um what and, and 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 like i said earlier bet on themselves because education will always be there they, they will have so many opportunities to go back, especially if they do their job well, um, to go back. But I think that there's so much learning for us to do outside of the classroom. And there's so many experiences that we deserve to have um, that, they, that they, if they have an idea and they want to leave and pursue that, that they should do it. And then they can always go back because there will always be students. Minor wisdom.